Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long May She Rain podcast. I'm Aiden, I'm your host for this podcast. So, it's a very special day today on the podcast because it is my 19th birthday! Woo! I'm so excited to be turning 19 and I'm really happy that whoever is listening uh, has been nice enough to click on this episode and join me for my birthday. Uh, I'm probably not going to be doing much for my birthday uh, with COVID and everything. There's not really any places to go and since I moved, I, I haven't made any friends yet, so there's not much to do there, but I'm hoping that uh, my grandma will take me ATVing because they have an ATV and I was like, can I drive it? And she was like, yeah, sure. As long as you're safe. I was like, cool, I can do that. <laughs> so th- that should be fun. I'll, I'll let you guys know how that is. Um, All right, let's just get right into the topic. Today we are talking about Claude of France, who is a very uh, obscure French queen. She was also Duchess of Brittany, as you can see by the title. Um, She's really overshadowed in, in history. I, I find, like, in fact, it was really, really hard to uh, research this episode because she's just not talked about enough in records. She kind of, like, goes, like, under the radar because she's overshadowed by her husband, Francis I. And we've already talked a bit about Francis on this uh, podcast. We talked about him in the Catherine de Medici episode. Uh, and we'll probably talk about him ton- tons more times. <laughs> Because he, uh, he's going to end up being in a lot of crossovers. Um, and we're doing Claude today because me and Claude happen to share a birthday. We were both born on October 13th, albeit in different centuries. Um, I'm really excited to talk about her today. Let's get into it, guys. Alright, so Claude of France was, of course, born on October 13th in 1499 in France. Uh, in this nunnery called Romar- Romartin? Rom- Romartin? Sure. It's like a nunnery or something. That's where she was born, a commune, I guess. Now, her parents were Anne, Duchess of Brittany, and her father was Louis the... Oh, no. What number is that? Is that the 11th? Yeah, okay. We're going with Louis the 11th. I didn't check the Roman numerals for this beforehand, did I? I'm sorry. Um, Now, actually, what I find kind of interesting about Claude's name in the first place is the fact that it's not a typical female name for the time. It it was actually a boy's name at the time, and she only ended up being named Claude in the first place because her mom, uh, Anne of Brittany, took a pilgrimage, which is like a like a religious thing where you go to a shrine and like pray for stuff. I guess uh, she she took a pr- pilgrimage to the shrine of uh, Claudius of Brescon, uh, who was this like seventh century monk or something, and. When Claude was born, Anne's mom, sorry, Claude's mom was, like, so happy about it, she decided to name Claude after Claudius. Now, of course, being born on October 13th not only makes her my birthday twin, but it also makes her Libra. And one of the stereotypical things I hear about Libras is, like, they have, like, expensive tastes, which would probably be true about me if I wasn't so broke all the time. (laughs) But if, probably if I had money to spend, like, Claude did, because, you know, she was a French princess and stuff, um, I would probably have finer tastes, and, uh, on the other hand, for her, she was very rich, and definitely had a taste for finer things. Alright, so, I kind of want to explain the political situation that happened before she was born, because, boy, is it, it's a 
doozy. It relates to her parents and kind of sets up the rest of her life. So we just kind of need to talk about it. All right, so let's discuss. So prior to the year 1498, France had been ruled for the last 15 years by this dude named Charles VIII of France. And he was a king. He was okay. Um, He was also apparently very ugly too. I read that a lot about him, like, it kept on coming up. It's Anyway, it's irrelevant. Uh, no, he was in the middle of a disastrous reign uh, when he suddenly dropped dead at the age of 28. Like, for no reason. It's not exactly known what killed him. Uh, basically, what happened was he was he was running to try and catch a game of tennis. Because, like, he really liked tennis. And <laughs> he ended up bumping his head on a door jam. And he was like, oh, I'm I'm fine. It's all right. So he went up to the box, like, to watch a tennis game. He was talking with people and even with his wife, and he suddenly collapsed. So up in the, like, tennis booth, they made him, like, a makeshift bed because they couldn't move him. So the doctors tried to figure out what was wrong with him, and he just died. (laughs) He was in a coma. He was in that coma for, like, nine hours, and he just died. Um, Now, because of Charles' unexpected death, France was kind of thrown into a succession crisis because Charles had no living children. So the government had to kind of like scramble around looking for a new king. And they landed on Louis, Duke of Orleans, who I believe was Charles' second cousin. Cousinry is is irrelevant, I guess. They were both great-grandsons of uh, King Charles V of France. And Louis is, of course, Claude's dad. You guys know that? Alright, so let's talk about Lewis and what his deal was. So, Lewis was a very uh, minor member of the royal family, and obviously he was never expected to amount to much because he was so far down the line of succession, uh, until he suddenly became king out of nowhere. Now, uh, one of the first things he decided to do after he got crowned was get a divorce from his wife. Um, Lewis had been in a loveless marriage to King Charles VIII's sister, uh, Jean, for about two decades at this point, I believe they had been married as teenagers, and they had no kids together, So, and he wanted to get married again so he'd have a better chance for some heirs, because neither they hadn't had any children yet. So he went to the Pope for an annulment, and guess who was the Pope at the time? Well, none other than Mr. Mob Boss Rodrigo Borgia as Pope Alexander VI. Now, this guy was corrupt as hell. I don't remember if I've mentioned him before at all, but this... He's an interesting pope. He's one of the most interesting popes, in in my opinion. Um, and he agreed to help with the annulment. Uh, <laughs> and this makes me laugh. Lewis actually had a list of fucking reasons for his divorce. And I would like to read to you what his list was like. So that he could convince the pope to let him have a divorce. So the first reason for his uh, divorce from his wife, Jean, that he gave the Pope, was that they were too related. (laughs) Which most times in royal marriages, like, didn't matter, but people used it all the time as excuses for annulment. Like, when people got married and they were too close, it was like, oh, I guess it doesn't really matter. But when when it came to annulment, suddenly it was a big deal. Um, Now, a second reason that Lewis wanted a divorce was because he thought they were related spiritually, because Jean's dad 
was Lewis's godfather, so they were basically siblings, and that was just wrong, according to God. Um, and thirdly, he stated that he had been forced to marry Jean by her father, and lastly, he said that they never consummated their marriage. Side note about the consummation of the marriage. I read rumors that Jean was, like, deformed, like, on her parts, you know, her... <laughs> and that's why they may have like never had sex or anything i don't know how true that is but that is what i read anyway after all that <laughs> uh jean ad- eventually did agree with lewis because i think she was kind of sick of him too uh she agreed with the first two reasons for divorce but she was adamant that they had had sex before and that he had not been forced to marry her but she ended up going along with the divorce proceedings and uh lewis's testimony with his list of fucking reasons uh convinced alexander the sixth to give him a divorce but ended up it ended up costing lewis a pretty penny to do it so uh lewis had to give the pope's son uh cesare borgia a dukedom a fat pension and a good marriage i think with uh one of lewis's other cousins uh and lewis complied because he really wanted that divorce and after that he was free to get married and guess who was his first choice for marriage you're never going to guess. Why? None other than the late King Charles VIII's widow, the hot 21-year-old Anne Duchess of Brittany, who I, of course, mentioned before as Claude's mama. Now, Anne was actually a duchess in her own right, and she was a very powerful and smart lady, and she's also the only woman in history to be Queen of France not once. Oh, no, not once, but twice. She was Queen of France twice. Um, now, for a while, she'd been trying to keep her duchy, like, separate from France, so that, like, France couldn't have it. She was very, very adamant about the independence of Brittany. And, uh, here she was asking to be, sorry, being asked to be queen of France second to- a second time when she didn't want to be in the first place. Um, now, she was probably hoping that her new marriage to Louis, uh, would help that, but it ended up not doing that. So they did get married, and, uh... She was probably also hoping hoping that her marriage to Lewis like would like fix her pregnancy problems because when she was married to uh Charles VIII, they had like six pregnancies together. Uh five ended in miscarriage and one ended in a stillbirth. Um there were oh wait, sorry. <laughs> I got that information wrong. Uh one of the pregnancies did give them a son, but he didn't last very long he died of an illness at age three which was unfortunate so uh after they got married sorry after when Anne and lewis got married uh when claude was born in decent health in 1499 they were absolutely relieved but they still are gonna have pregnancy problems in this marriage too we'll we'll get into that a little later just give it a minute all right let's talk about claude's upbringing since uh, since she was an only child for much of her childhood, Claude was raised at the Chateau of Blois, which is a gorgeous estate. Like, it is really, really pretty. It's about a two-hour car ride outside of Paris. Um, I don't know what the carriage 
to go our ratio is. Uh, it probably would have taken about a day to get there by carriage, by my, like, guess. A anyway, it's a very nice place. Now, Claude was, like, really, really spoiled by her parents. Uh, she had one of the finest governess in the country as her governess. Um, growing up, Claude's personality was described as, like, very merry and bright. Uh, a lot of people call her a ray of sunshine, and that that is so cute. And to be honest, she was a real daddy's girl at heart. Even even though her dad was away fighting the Italian wars um, for most of her childhood, uh, which, if you remember from the Catherine de' Medici episode, was a whole war that Catherine Medici's uh, father-in-law got himself caught up into. Like years later, I I I found out about the origin of the Italian wars for Francis. Francis really did love Italy, but he took on the wars from his father-in-law. Guys, we know the origin of why Francis wanted to be king of Naples. It was Louis's fault. We figured it out. Anyway, um, yeah, because Louis felt entitled to some land in Italy because one, because his grandmother was Italian. It started this whole thing and it, like I said, it ended up getting passed on to Francis because he was like, does this throne make my dick look bigger? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, uh, Lewis and Claude were very, very close. They went hunting together and they stuck together at royal balls. And it's recorded that the king's eyes lit up when he saw his daughter, which is, aww. Finally, we get a princess who has a positive relationship with a parent. Yay. Um, also, fun side note about uh, Claude being really close to her parents. Uh, when, up until Claude was about two or three, she slept in a room between her mother and father's uh, audience rooms, along with her governess. Aww. And her room was actually pretty nice, too. Uh, apparently, the walls were hung with tapity, tap, tapestries? I'm sorry. Tapestries depicting uh, pastoral scenes and uh, sheep and little figures with lettering. Um... I also read this fun story about Claude from when she was a kid. Apparently, uh, when Princess Juana of Castile, who is um, Catherine of Aragon's sister, uh, Juana came to visit uh, her parents, and baby Claude apparently took one look at Juana and cried her little baby eyes out and had to be taken out of the room. And I just laughed. Like a little too hard at that story because, of course, if you know who Juana of Castile is, she's remembered in not such a great light. She's known as Juana de Loca. Um, <laughs> and we're going to do an episode on Juana one day, of course, because she's very interesting. But the fact that hap that happened is a little kind of creepy and foreshadowing for how her life turns out. Well, I mean, Juana's life, of course. Anyway, uh, speaking of good parental relationships, she also had a great relationship with her mom, Anne, who, uh, by the way, took Claude's education super duper seriously. She made sure she got the best education out there. Claude had her own uh, reading primer containing the alphabet and a selection of prayers and Bible stories that were just for her. Her mother also relate sorry, raised her to be politically savvy and have a taste for, like, fine things, which is very Libra <laughs> of Claude. Um, and you'll you'll see how uh, this education kind of made her cultured and very intelligent when she's thrown onto the world stage in a little bit. Now, uh, before we move on from her early life, I just want to talk uh, about Claude's parents and their continuing uh, baby-making problems uh, because it also 
is very important to the rest of her life. So, like I said before, Claude was an only child for, like, years and years. Um, after her birth, her mom kept on having failing pregnancies until, um... Her mom gave birth to another healthy baby girl in 1510 that they named Renee, who is also a very interesting character who I'd like to do an episode on. Um, Now, I tried to find anything about Claude and her sister Renee's relationship, but it was kind of hard to find anything. Maybe they just weren't that close and, like, no one bothered to write anything down. I'd probably put it down to the age difference because they were about 11 or 10 years apart in age. Um... And, you know, by the time women become, like, close to teens in this time period, they get taken away, married, get new roles, and siblings grow far apart. Maybe that's why I couldn't find anything on them. It's unfortunate. I I wish they had been a lot closer because, you know, they're siblings. It's a thing. Anyway, uh, back to baby-making problems. Uh, Renee's birth didn't really solve anything because in France they followed this dumb patriarchal shit called Salic Law, um, which means no woman under any circumstances could inherit the French throne, uh, which, believe it or not, always, always causes succession problems in the French royal family. I think they have more succession issues because they don't let women on the throne. Like, seriously, I think that's an actual issue for them. You know, if they had actually stopped that sexist shit, maybe, maybe their dynasties could have been more successful. Just a thought. Anyway, um, but in good news, even though Claude couldn't have the throne, she was the heir to her mother's duchy of Brittany, which allowed women to inherit, obviously. And uh, because of this, Brittany is a very large landholding. It's, um, oh god, how do I explain it? It's, it is in northern France. It's in northwest France. It's like on the Bay of Biscay. It like kind of faces England a little bit. Anyway, uh, she was bargaining chip because this was a huge landholding. Uh, her mother Anne was trying to keep Brittany independent from the French crown, so she wanted her to marry uh, the future Charles V, Holy Roman Emperor. You remember him from the Catherine de' Medici episode and the Catherine of Aragon episode? He shows up a lot in this time period. I'm j- I'm just saying. He's very important to this time period. You remember he he saved Catherine de' Medici from getting hurt by the mob? Anyway, uh, he also eventually becomes king of Spain. And Louis went along with the marriage at first because he was like, all right, that's, that's fine. Uh, but when it became pretty obvious that Louis and his wife Anne weren't going to have a boy... Uh, Louis started getting a little nervous, and he decided to, uh, make a move to betroth her to his heir, little Duke Francis, and he was doing this without telling his wife either, which is a little sus. Um, at one point during his secret negotiations, Louis actually got, like, super duper sick, and he thought he was gonna die, so he ratified the marriage of Francis and Claude and officially announced it, and Anne was so pissed. She was really, really pissed. She had wanted Brittany to remain independent of the French crown, and if Claude married Francis, who was going to be the next queen of France, it just kept Brittany in Francis' hand, which was not cool. Um, And Louis didn't give a fuck. He basically ignored Anne. And so Anne was like, fine, you want to give me the silent treatment? So Anne decided to give Louis the silent treatment, and she decided to uh, go to Brittany and do a tour there as kind of like a fuck you to Louis, because she was like, ha, this is my land, fuck you, Louis. And she started spending more and more time there, probably so she wouldn't, like, strangle her husband. 
so I imagine Claude saw a lot less of her mother in the next few years. And in that time, uh, Claude was kind of put in the middle of her parents' dispute, and Anne tried to settle it by instead giving Brittany to Claude's sister, younger sister Renee, and Louis was like, alright, that's fine. But it was really only to make Anne happy until uh, in January, not, sorry, on January 9th, uh, 1514, due to probably a lot of pregnancies and maybe kidney stones, uh, Anne, Duchess of Brittany, ended up dying, and the minute that Anne was dead, Lewis was like, ha, psych, and he overturned Anne's decree about the succession and gave Brittany back to Claude. Uh, he also sped up Claude's marriage to Francis because, uh, less than a couple months after her mother was dead, uh, she got married to Francis on uh, May 18th, 1514. Claude was barely 14 years old, and the wedding was, you know, quiet and small since the court was, you know, still in mourning for Queen Anne. And, oh god, this detail about the wedding makes me sad. Claude apparently cried through the whole ceremony because, you know, she was 14 and she missed her mom. Uh, she was also made to consummate the marriage right on that night, which is gross. Thank God they didn't have an audience for that, like poor Catherine de' Medici had to have, because that would have sucked for her. All right, uh, I'm going to take a little break. I am going to go get a drink. But while I'm gone, I want you guys to listen to this commercial from my friends at the Pontifex podcast. Hello, Long May She Rain listeners. My name is Bree, and I would like to wish your host, Aiden, a very, very happy birthday. Aiden, I hope your day is wonderful and you feel as loved and spoiled as everyone should on their birthday. I'd also like to take a moment and tell you about my podcast. Pontifax is a papal history podcast ranking all of the popes from Peter to Francis. In each episode, we review and contextualize the life of a pope, and then we rate them on a bunch of ridiculous and amusing categories, such as their impact on the church, their impact on the world, how scandalous they were, and what their face looked like. In the end, our highest scoring popes will battle it out to be the popiest pope who ever poked and maybe take the keys away from St. Peter. You can find Pontifax at pontifax.podbean.com and anywhere that you get your podcasts. All right, I'm back. All right, so now that Claude is married at 14 against her will, uh, let's talk about Claude's groom, Francis. Now, if you have listened to a couple of other episodes, I'm not quite sure if I remember what other episodes he shows up in other than the Catherine de Medici episode, uh, you know that I don't really like Francis very much. I think he's a freak and a weirdo, and he should have never touched the French throne. Even if he did bring a lot of culture to France, I still think he's a bitch, and I don't like him. And you know what? Honestly, Francis makes me want to start like a, a list of historical men that piss me off. Francis is, is going to be on, on the top there, and he's going to be joined by Ferdinand of Aragon. Gone, Henry VIII, and like other men, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a list. If you guys think of any other men to put on it, just l- let me know. I'll I'll add them. Uh, it's gonna be oh, I should make like a burn book, <laughs> like from Mean Girls. <laughs> Out of this list, that would be funny. I'm gonna do that. Uh, anyway, sorry, I'm off topic. Anyway, so Francis, like Claude's dad, uh, was a very minor member of the French royal family, and like suddenly out of nowhere, he had the chance of becoming king. And so he got engaged to Claude, 
He wasn't happy about it, but he was like, "Eh, it's my duty to France. I guess I'll do it. So 19-year-old Francis married 14-year-old Claude because he had to. And the very very next day after they got married, he went to a brothel. Because he's an asshole, and he's a little bit of a man whore, as we've discussed. Now, um, one thing that I actually read about him was that he had a big nose, and his nickname, it's in French, but I I can't read it. It was Francis Big Nose in French, which is A-plus comedy. I like whoever came up with that. Now, um, you kind of have to wonder why he didn't even, like, try to get to know her at all. Like, maybe he would have liked her if he had, like, talked to her. I mean, gosh, I hate to say this about Claude because I like her a lot, but she wasn't the prettiest girl in the world, and maybe that's what threw Frances off. She had a bit of a squinty eye. You can see that in her, some of her portraits. Uh, she also had scoliosis, which gave her a bit of a hunch, but, like, I heard it wasn't, like, that bad. Um, she was apparently a sweetheart, and she, like, didn't deserve to be ignored like Francis ignored her. Uh, one good thing, I guess, about Francis, he did treat her with a degree of respect during the marriage, um, but Claude did have to deal with buckets and buckets of mistresses, because, of course, uh, one of the most notable of Francis's mistresses was, uh, Marguerite Foyt, who is really interesting, and I'd love to talk about her someday. Um, now, speaking of marriage, Claude's dad didn't wait very long to grieve his wife, because uh, less than a few months later after um, Claude got married, Louis, in a last-ditch effort to have a son, decided to marry the beautiful 17-year-old English princess, Mary Tudor. Does Tudor ring a name? Sorry, ring a bell for anyone? That's right, Mary Tudor was the baby sister of Henry VIII. Yeah, that Henry VIII. And um, Claude actually got like a starring role in the festivities for when her new stepmother came to meet her. Claude uh, took her home and was kind of Mary's support system through the whole thing. (coughs) Sorry. But uh, the marriage between 17-year-old Mary and like really old-ass Louis didn't last very long. Louis was getting old and gross. And he ended up dying after three months of marriage. Now, uh, the cause of death was uh, rumored to be of him overexerting himself in the bedroom, but, you know, it was actually probably just gout, so <laughs> they sent Mary home after they determined that she was not pregnant. Um, I don't really know much about, like, what Mary and Claude's relationship was. I heard it was, like, probably warm and they were probably close since they were so close in age. Um... So that that that's nice. I I hope they had a nice relationship because I couldn't really find much on it. Um. Anyway, with Louis dead, you know what that means. It means Claude and Francis are the new king and queen of France. And you know they actually had a bit of a power balance. Uh, when they became king and queen, uh, they just kind of like did their own thing and like left each other alone, which I think is kind of like a decent trade off since. Francis has, like, such a dominant personality, and it can be easy to get, like, overshadowed by him, as Claude obviously already has been. Uh, Francis handled the politics and war aspect of kinging, and Claude kind of played your perfect Renaissance queen, and the chroniclers won't shut up about it, like, ever. They basically describe her as, well, they describe her a lot as not being incredibly attractive, but uh, her regalness and wit and intelligence, like, kind of just, like, made up for how not pretty she was, which is mean, but, like, also complimenting at the same time. Now, um, 
I believe I read during Claude's time as queen, there were more women at French court working for her than, like, any other queen in French history. And uh, quite a few of Claude's, like, ladies would go down in history as very interesting women themselves. For example, uh, one of Claude's ladies-in-waiting was Diane de Poitiers, which you might remember from the Catherine de' Medici episode. Um, Claude was also served by the infamous Anne Boleyn, who would eventually go on to be Queen of England, which is so cool, also mother of Queen Elizabeth I. And uh, Anne was, the, of course, also the first Queen of England to be executed for treason. Um, I can't imagine, like, the power that radiated from Claude's court with, like, all these awesome women and, like, all this intellectuality and, like, Renaissance greatness. It must have been so cool. I want to be there right now. That sounds like power. <coughs> Anyway, uh, sorry. So, uh, during Claude's time as queen, she tried to shine in this new court as much as she could. Uh, she really wanted to take after her mother a lot. She wanted to be a pious and cultured queen. And, uh, one of the hobbies she actually had was architecture. She had, uh, the Francis Fer the first, uh, wing of the Chateau de Blois built under her supervision. She designed it herself. Uh, she also used the power of pam pamphlets to promote her and the royal family's self-image, which is kind of like newspaper in the back of the day. That's, that's really cool. Um, but her shining moments didn't really last very long. Um, in some marriages, some marriages just have those domineering mother-in-laws, mother and Claude's marriage was no different. Um, and she was also overshadowed by her sister-in-law, who was, like, apparently very cool. Francis gave most of the queenly duties to his sister and his mother, and uh, Claude's mother-in-law and her sister-in-law bullied her, like, a lot, which is so mean. And Francis didn't do anything about it because he was like, well, it's just my mom and my sister. Like, don't ask me to do that. But, um, and yeah, Claude probably didn't say anything because that's her mother-in-law and her sister-in-law. And like, Francis already wasn't doing anything about it. So like, what was the point? But the good news is she handled the humiliation with grace. And I really admire her for it because if this was me in this marriage, I probably would have thrown a fit about it like five minutes into the marriage. But it probably just wasn't in her character to like complain. I, I actually read she was like a very shy person and she was like pretty isolated uh, in this new court because, you know, most of her family was dead. She didn't have anyone to talk to. She must have been very lonely. So she just kind of like dealt with the pain herself. And that that's really admirable. Now, uh, not long into her husband's reign, Claude, at 16 years old, gave birth to her first baby. It was a girl, and they named her Louise. I believe that was uh, Frances' mom's name, I think. Um, Claude had a bit of better luck than her mom and dad at having babies. After Louise, she gave birth to Charlotte, Frances, Henry, Madeline, Charles, and Margaret. Uh, over the span of about eight years, and this would come to define her life at some point. Uh, Claude was almost always pregnant during her life, which took a huge toll on her health that was already, like, kind of fragile anyway. Um, it ended up making her gain, like, a lot of weight very quickly, and she was, she was also a very short person, so, like, that was not helped at all. And her mother-in-law mocked her for gaining weight, which is super not cool and her mother-in-law also encouraged other people in court to make fun of Claude for gaining weight which must have been horrible for her god I fucking hate Claude's mother-in-law Ugh, 
Stupid Francis, couldn't you have, like, intervened? God damn it. Okay, we're going to talk about something interesting. We're going to talk about the field of cloth and gold. Now, I know I talked about this in the Catherine of Aragon episode. I don't think I did a very good job when I talked about it in the Catherine of Aragon episode, so we're going to try again. Alright, so in 1520, the field of cloth and gold took place. Um, and this was a huge deal when it was happening. Because France and England at this point, like, they hadn't been good friends for, like, over two centuries. So Francis and King Henry VIII, who were both at the height of their power, decided to let bygones be bygones and host a summit so that they could sign a pact of eternal friendship. And, oh, guys, it was a monster setup. It took two months to set up most of the buildings where the meeting was supposed to take place. And, uh, of course... Uh, Francis and Henry wouldn't stop the dick magisturing contest by one-upping each other. Uh, like, when Francis had a huge tent made out of gold fabric set up for him and his family to stay in, Henry was like, oh, I can do better than that. And he had a temporary palace built to look like a mini Hampton court, and had the walls made of canvas, and it had its own courtyard, and it had a fucking wine fountain. It was a wine fountain fountain and i can just imagine francis hearing about what henry has set up and complaining to claude being like you think my tent is cool right honey and claude would be like of course honey it's the best tent ever or maybe francis would have like went to complain to one of his mistresses i don't know who knows? He would have complained to someone, because that must have hurt. Anyway, um, eventually the uh, two monarchs met in 1520, and Claude accompanied Francis to the meeting. And I have to mention, at this time, uh, she was about eight or nine months pregnant, and she was, like, still a teenager. So that must have been, like, a fucking awful trip. Like, it's it's shitty to travel, like, pregnant now. I can't imagine what it must have been like for her as a teenager to travel eight or nine months pregnant <laughs> to a summit. Anyway, uh, this is one of the very few times in her life where she did a big, big public event, so it's very well documented about, like, the stuff that she did there. Um, now, she was supposed to be, uh, the contrast to Henry's witty and classically beautiful wife, Catherine of Aragon, uh, who was pretty much everything Claude was not. Catherine was beautiful, a better diplomat than Claude, and I can't imagine how intimidated Claude must have been when they first met, because Catherine was older than her, and she also had all that stuff under her belt. Um, it, it must also must have been hilarious to watch their husbands try and one-up each other. Um, I wonder if they gossiped about it all, like, uh, oh my god, can you believe what Henry did? Oh my god, can you believe what Francis did? Anyway, um, actually, believe it or not, Claude did actually have, like, one thing on Catherine. Claude had two sons. And Catherine, as we know, had not given birth to a male heir yet, so I'm pretty sure Francis, like, felt, like, all superior about it in that regard, uh, being like, Haha, we have two sons, what do you have, Henry? <laughs> now, <laughs> um, Claude and Francis, you know, weren't exactly friends, but he probably had a lot of admiration for her, giving him a whole bunch of children so quickly, which was, you know, exactly what was expected of her, and, you know, she did it. 
Um, now, Claude spent the whole two weeks at this uh, summit feasting because she was pregnant. She probably wanted to eat a lot. I bet she had, like, cravings. Like, I don't know, like, what did they eat back then? Like, mutton? I don't know. And she watched uh, a lot of games that they had the, at the Field of Cloth of Gold. Uh, they even had this thing where uh, the queens like switched kings so uh catherine of aragon hosted francis at a dinner and claude hosted henry the eighth at a dinner which must have been so awkward um after that francis and henry who had had a you know a bit to drink uh henry thought it was a great idea to challenge francis to a wrestling match and francis was like yeah bro let's go and <laughs> this was a bad idea for henry because francis whooped, I say whooped, Henry's ass, which must have boosted Francis' ego a lot, and it probably put Henry in a sour mood for the rest of the trip. But, you know, as cool as this meeting was, like we've discussed in the Catherine of Aragon episode, it didn't really do much um, to keep the peace among France and England, because not long after the summit was over, Henry VIII had like a a crying fit, I guess. Like, he had a tantrum. And he broke the peace treaty and instead decided to side with Charles V, Holy Roman Emperor, against Francis. Well, that was a pretty short bromance, huh? Anyway, um, after the field of cloth and gold, uh, Claude didn't really have much uh, part in politics since, uh, as I mentioned, she was always playing fourth fiddle to Francis' family. Uh... And uh, around this time, she started to act on her love for religion. Claude was very, very pious. Like her mother, she was a dedicated queen. And she often gave to charity. She had a passion for rebuilding churches, you know, with her love of architecture so that they could better serve the people. And she also personally oversaw the reconstruction of two French cathedrals, which is pretty cool. Um, unfortunately for Claude, she didn't really live very long, and I think that's really the saddest thing about her story, is that she died so young. Uh, she ended up passing away on July 20th, 1524, when she was only 24 years old. Um, the funeral she had was absolutely fit for a queen, even though Francis, actually, he didn't go to the ceremony, because he was busy prepping for a war, which is kind of like a dick move. Like, dude, show up for your wife's funeral. Um... But, oh god, this is so sad. In a letter to his mother, he said that he would have never have thought that the tie of marriage joined by God would be so difficult to break. Oh, Francis, don't make me feel bad for you. I don't like you. He was way more grief-stricken than anyone really expected him to be when Claude died. Um, he did end up marrying a few years later, but that, like, wasn't his choice. So, like, I don't blame him for getting remarried because there was... He was forced to get remarried. Um, a nice thing is, I think over time he did eventually become very fond of her, especially after they started having children. Um, I read this quote from him when he was captured by Charles V, Holy Roman Emperor, uh, which happened like not too long after she died. Um, he said, if I could bring her back with my life, I would gladly do so. <laughs> oh my god. No, Francis, I don't like you. No, you can't trick me into liking you with being griefful for your wife this just isn't fair 
Now, Francis, he mourned. It endears me a little bit to him, but he's still a little bitch for a lot of other reasons. So I'll give it to him, but I'll also kind of like not give it to him. He can have half of my sympathy. All right. Now, <laughs> no one's really sure what actually killed Claude. Um, it could have been a combination of one thing or more. Uh, for example, Claude's health, like we discussed, always been very fragile because of her scoliosis, which caused her to have like uneven hips, which is a problem when you have as many kids as she did that fast when she was so young. So it's very likely that all her pregnancies may have just made her really sick, and that's why she died so young. But, oh my god, I read this horrible rumor that came up, like, after she died, that said that Claude might have died from syphilis due to her husband being a slutty mixed slut slut. Um, I understand how someone might, like, come to this conclusion, um, back then, considering Francis was a slutty mixed slut slut. But, um, if that was the case, the syphilis, (coughs) sorry, would have probably killed Francis too. And he doesn't die for, like, another few decades after her, so it probably wasn't that. I I just figure, you know, pregnancy was hard on her tiny, fragile, like, 5'2 body, and that's what probably killed her. Uh, Now, before we get into legacy, I want to talk a bit about what happened to her uh, kids after she died, and, like, a bit about what happened to Frances, if you guys are curious. So, uh, most of her still-living children were between the ages of about 8 and 3 when she died, and it affected them the most, especially her second son, Henry, who adored his mother, and not long after she died, Henry was sent off with his older brother as a hostage of Charles V, Holy Roman Emperor, and that made him a super moody, introverted kid with mommy issues. The Henry that I am talking about is, in fact, Catherine de' Medici's husband. Not only did he have daddy issues, oh no, he had mommy issues, (laughs) which probably contributed to him being exactly like his dad. Hmm. Um, and, you know, as you know, he wasn't very nice to his wife, uh, because Catherine just couldn't live up to the example his mother had set as queen. Um, let's also talk about her, uh, daughter Madeline, uh, who unfortunately inherited her mother's very, very poor health, and Francis was, like, kind of struggling being a single dad, because without Claude there to raise the kids, he just didn't really have any idea how to interact with his own children. Um, and I think this actually kind of set up his kids for failure, because he was busy being King of France, and that caused problems, especially for his son Henry and also Madeline, uh, who's very much like her mother, um, Frances, Madeline was actually Frances' favorite daughter, which I think has a lot to do with how similar she was to Claude. Uh, Madeline ended up marrying the King of Scotland, and Frances was like, please don't go, I love you, you're, you're my daughter, and also he was worried that, uh, Scotland's cold climate would affect her health. Um, so Madeline did go to Scotland, and she married King James, and she ended up dying because of her poor health. Oh, God, Francis loved his daughter, and he just let her go. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, Francis ended up dying, like, a couple decades later of, like, syphilis, which is unfortunate, but, like, kind of granted. You you guys know how we died. (laughs) We talked about it in the Catherine de' Medici episode. Alright, let's get into legacy. So, I definitely had some serious trouble writing her legacy because she didn't really live very long to have one. Uh, And thanks to her husband, she didn't really have a great role in politics to make a real impact on anything. But if you think about it, just because she didn't make history, that doesn't make her any less significant than the larger players of the time, like her mother and and sister-in-law, or Anne Boleyn, Catherine of Aragon, these women lived 
sorry, this woman lived history. She was present for some of the most important events of the early Renaissance. I can't imagine being lucky enough to attend the fields of cloth of gold. I mean, that must have been so cool to do. And she was around all this culture and art, and some, uh, she knew some amazingly awesome people. She got to contribute to all of this, and I think if she had gotten to be queen of France in her own right, like if she had been, like, Claude the First queen of France, uh, and been given the chance to participate and shine, she probably would have been an amazing queen. I am so honored to share a birthday with this incredible lady. Uh, she was a dedicated daughter, wife, queen, and a mother to the day she died. Cheers and happy birthday to me and Claude of France. Bye, guys. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, if there's a certain thing that you want to hear, just, like, hit me up on uh, Twitter at Long May She Rain 2. Uh, the N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2, just so you know that. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Bye.